Well, good evening. Uh, Pastor Trevor said it was a treat. I wouldn't go that far, but we're going to do this. <laughs> so uh, I, I love, before I come up, I, I don't even tell the worship leader when I'm teaching what the subject is, because I want to see what the Holy Spirit puts on their heart. And it was beautiful for uh, Gary to have those songs about uh, a remembrance of our sins being washed white and, and, and just praising the Lord for what he's done, because... Uh, as you can see, we're going to be doing a study in Psalm 111, which is all about praising the Lord. Um, so uh, go ahead and turn there, because we will be reading a lot. Uh, I won't have you turn to about five different books in the Bible. I'll do that reading for you. I'll take that upon myself. But I, I, I do want to say that uh, it's a tough act to follow after Resurrection Sunday, like teaching right afterwards, because this won't be that. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, I just want to set expectations. So there you have it. Uh, the, the funny thing is, I, I, I truly love Wednesdays. Um, it took me a long time to get used to coming to church on Wednesdays. But as I started, uh, I started realizing that I truly needed the, the, re the refreshment of the Lord on a Wednesday in the middle of the week. And, and I always talk about with, uh, with my brother Tuan about it because it is such a respite from what the enemy throws at you throughout the week. And I have had one of those weeks. Like yesterday was ridiculously bad. And that's why I was like, oh yeah, I'm teaching. <laughs> Punched my card on that one. Um, so um, it, it was kind of ironic though when I got asked to teach because uh, I, I heard April 12th was a date. I said, you know what, I'll take that because uh, my brother Russ had something else going on and couldn't teach. I had no idea that it was the Wednesday right after Resurrection Sunday. I just picked a... I, picked a random date and was like, you know what, let's do Psalm 111. But what a, a, a beautiful section of scripture to come on the heels of celebrating Jesus's resurrection, a psalm that is all about praising God. And, and, and frankly, uh, I was listening to Pastor Tim teach and a lot of the things I had written down in my study for this were some of the things that he said as well, because a, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the words, but when we talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, victory over the grave, and, and, and being our redemption, there is always a reason to praise, right? So we're going to get into that as we, uh, we, 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 get, uh, we get through this. Um, a couple weeks back, we had been taught on uh, having a passion for the Lord, so I hijacked that title, and, and this is a passion for praise. Completely okay hijacking it, too, because there's nothing new under the sun, so I guarantee you somewhere someone has done this same thing. So let's pray, and then I will read through the psalm, and we'll get into it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and, and I personally pray that you would empty me of myself. Father, we need your word, and we need what you have for us. Every heart in here needs something different, including myself. Father, we pray that all the weights and the anchors that we walked in here with, Lord, you would remove. Father, we don't desire to concentrate on them. Lord, we want to hear your word, and we desire for it to be planted in our hearts. So, Father, do a work by your Holy Spirit and change us tonight. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you want to follow along, I will not ask you to stand and read with me. I'll let you guys just kick it there. Let's read um, Psalm 111. Um, it says, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. 
His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He has declared to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands are verity and justice. All His precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. I love the fact that awesome is in the Bible. Anybody ever catch that? I love it. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. So my first thing is a quote from D.L. Moody. Every good gift that we have had from the cradle up has come from God. If a man just stops to think what he has to praise God for, he will find that there's enough to keep him singing praises for a week. Well, while the exact author of this psalm is, is unknown, um, it is truly a, a, a hymn of thanksgiving. It's a, a psalm about praising God. It describes how to praise him, describes when to praise him and reasons to praise him. We're to praise him due to his works, his character, his steadfastness, his promises, his gifts, what he is doing in your life, what he has done in your life, and what he will do in your life. And that his praise should and will endure forever. So praise the Lord, that actual term, is used about 33 times in the Bible, almost all in the Old Testament, and primarily in Psalms. Um, just a, a couple I want to put up here. Psalm 147.1 says, Praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. And Psalm 150, verse 6, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. There is an undeniable emphasis in the Word of God to Praise the Lord. Um, and we're going to go through these verses one by one. Most times when you break apart Scripture, there's different uh, themes, if you will. Well, this has one thing, praising the Lord. So we're going to go verse by verse and, and kind of dive deep into each one. But I want to get us in the mindset of this psalm. Spurgeon said this, It is not left to our own option. Whether we shall praise God or not, it is your duty to praise. And, and, and you can't argue with that. Um, you really can't. We can be distracted by things in the world. We can be um, inundated with uh, a week or a month of things that don't go according to our plan, but it never changes or takes away our praise that is due to the Lord for our life and his redemption of it. Now, I will say, before we, before we get into the, the actual reading of each verse, um, I was going through and preparing for this study, and, and the Lord kind of impressed upon me something I want to put out right up front as we go into reading these verses. Praising the Lord can often mean to us that it equates to singing and worshiping in song. And that is praising the Lord, but praising the Lord is much more than that. It is not exclusively just singing. We can praise the Lord as we walk through our life, as we go through and as we have talked about walking out our faith, we can praise him in it. 
Whatever we experience, we can praise him in it. Talking to the Lord throughout the day, we can praise him. So as we read this, I just want to bring that up front that let's not get in the mindset that praising the Lord is only singing to the Lord. While it does incorporate that, it's also other things in our life. So verse 1 is a great way to start here by, by the writer. You know, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. And, and I'm going to stop right there. So uh, this is like verse 1, and we're stopping. Um, praise the Lord with your whole heart. Okay, so this is, is an em- emphasis on a whole heart, not a, a partial heart, not a reserved heart, but your entire heart. And, and why? It, we can easily gloss right over that, but why do I want it? The Lord wants us to stop on that for, for a reason. Because if we are occupied, if our heart is occupied with, with something else, right? If our heart is occupied with something else or, or something else has started to creep up on the throne of our heart, um, then our praise is going to be limited um, and it's going to be lacking, right? So when our heart is divided, we, we fully don't worship like we should. And we can all ad- admit that. Um, we will basically worship with a what's left in my heart attitude and measure and, and more like, I'll give you what's left. And, and I can say that earnestly. From, and I, I will always speak of myself. I will never point fingers, right? But I'm pretty sure we can all say that. And, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll kind of bring it to you like this. Anybody ever show up on a Sunday morning or even a Wednesday, and it takes you like a full worship song to even begin worshiping? Or is that just me? Yeah, thank you. I got one hand. I'm, I'm, I'm cooking. So... So for me, um, it takes me one to one and a half, and, and, and that is on me. Um, and the reason that happens, if you're honest with yourself, the reason it takes a full worship song for that to happen is because you are preoccupied with something else. Um, and, and when I come in, especially on a Wednesday, I'm glad, Gary, that you did three songs. It took me a full song to get out of the mindset of things that had happened yesterday and today at work. And it's by that second song where I, I can lift my hands freely, weightless. And, and I would think that we are all kind of in that same boat if we happen to come here with something else on our mind. And the thing is, if we do that, we are not doing verse 1 here. Verse 1 specifically states that I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Verse 1 is predicated on the notion that we have laid down everything and we trust Jesus. Plain and simple. If we are holding on to things coming through this door or coming through wherever, and, and, and you find yourself not able to fully worship, it's because you're holding on to something instead of trusting it and laying it down on the, at the feet or at, at the cross, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm very guilty of this because I have the mindset that I, I can fix it. I can, I can work this out. If I think on it long enough, if I think through all the angles, if I think through all the different ways and methods, I can, I can surely take care of it. And, and that's not what Jesus asked me to do. He literally asked me to praise him with my whole heart. And that's why, that's why I, I pray when I do announcements or anything like that, specifically that, that the Lord would remove those things that we are unable to do ourselves. Um, and because sometimes it does. It takes the Holy Spirit to do it. We walk through the door with a lot of weights. 
or chains, and, and the Holy Spirit can break them and remove them. And, and it's when the Holy Spirit can do that is when we can worship weightlessly, right? Um, I, I bring that up because we want to understand these sets of verses even in the very beginning with worshiping with a, a whole heart or praising the Lord with a whole heart. Um, you know, the term praising the Lord too in our mind is usually equated with something that uh, uh, is good or something good has taken place, right? Do praise the Lord, this took place, this happened, praise the Lord. It is our natural flesh to equate being thankful and praising to something good happening to us. It, 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 it's a battle to go against that flow because that's, our, that, that's just our flesh. Um, we, we equate praising God for something good that has happened. So I, 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 I was doing the study and I asked myself, okay, Lord, where in Scripture do I read that I, can only, I only have to praise you when something good takes place? Um, where in Scripture do I read that I only have to be thankful when things are going my way? Um, and, and, and frankly, I can't find it. I, I've, I've looked, um, and, and I can't find it. That's, and it's because it doesn't exist. Nowhere in Scripture or in, or in the Word of God are we told to only thank Him and praise Him when things are going well for us. It just doesn't exist. And, and, and I desire for not just this church, but, but the church in general to not be like that. Um, the unbeliever rejoices when things happen good to them right? The, it's easy to be happy when things are going your way or, or things go well for you and, and, and you're happy. It's easy. When I was an unbeliever, that's how I did it, right? But the unbeliever rejoices only when good things happen to them because it makes them feel happy. Um, when I was an unbeliever, I was only happy when good things went my way or things took place, right? I, that, that's it. And that's the unbeliever. As, as the church, as the body of Christ, that's not how we're supposed to look, you know, the unbeliever should look at us and wonder why we're still praising God when good things aren't happening to us. Because if, if we look just like the unbeliever, why are they going to be jealous of us? Why are they going to have that question? Um, so I, I wanted to, to kind of bring this up um, because, it, you know, when you look at Scripture, there's nowhere that says that we can bargain with God. And oftentimes, and, and I've been there, you know, Father, I will praise you if. Uh, Lord, I, I will praise you when. And unfortunately, we have to be careful because we are making our praise of God contingent upon what he can do for us. We're making the Lord in debt to us in exchange for praise. Now, in the business world, we call that uh, quid pro quo, this for that. And that is very dangerous to do with the creator of the universe, to try and bring him on your level. I, I highly don't recommend that. It's not a good place to be. Um, I, I don't think it would work out well. So that, this second part, you know, it says, um, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, this is where we worship in the assembly and congregation. It, this is publicly with other believers, both in a large setting and in a smaller setting, Right? Uh, an example to us would easily be here in the congregation on a, on a, on a Sunday morning, 
um, or at a Friday night fellowship where it's a smaller group of believers or a men's Bible study or even a, a group of men you're ha- or women you're having over to your house just to fellowship and read the word. That's really what the second part is talking about. Well, you know, there's that, you'll always have that, um, that person that, you know, I, I don't have the greatest voice, but I'll sing. But you'll always have someone that, you, you get this, a person that might be embarrassed and says, you know what, well, I just don't like to worship around anyone else. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, A.W. Tozer <laughs> says, uh, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. I didn't say it. Tozer did. So there you go. Um, let's move into verse 2. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Now, this first part is, is a statement of fact, right? It, it's not an opinion. It is just a statement of fact. The works of the Lord are great. God should be praised for what he has done in you, in your life, those around you. His works are worthy of praise. Now, this, this second part where it says, studied by all who have pleasure in them, in the Hebrew translation, it's actually written like this, greatly desired by all who enjoy them. And, and I think that's a, a, a much more rich, pure translation because we as believers, we, we, des- we desire his works, right? Um, and so here's the thing and why I like that translation, greatly desired by all who enjoy them. Believers enjoy God's works because we love him and, and that we know that he cares for us, right? So whatever works come our way or whatever he is allowed to pass through his hands, we know that he's a loving heavenly father. Whereas uh, unbelievers w- will not. They will not, have a, a, they will not greatly desire um, because let's be real, uh, someone who doesn't um, have Jesus as their savior will not enjoy a time of trial or tribulation. They really won't. Just like how I previously said, they live by their feelings and emotions. A trial or tribulation uh, doesn't make them feel good. So why would they greatly desire something like that? But we as believers do. We should. Now, we're told in Scripture that, that we will have trials, right? And none of us look forward to that. We, we, we don't. However, when they come, we know that we are held by God. We are his children. We know about his promises in Scripture. So we are able to face things like that differently because we know that we have a Heavenly Father that cares for us, right? Whereas the unbeliever does not. They live by their feelings. We do not. We have a totally different lens that we look through. When something happens in our life, in our family's life, or around us, we have a totally different lens than someone who is an unbeliever and doesn't believe in God or have Jesus as their Savior. Um, They only look at actions that take place and how it affects them, whereas we know that everything God does is for our good and His glory. Right? That, that's one of the key differences here. Moving into verse 3. Verse 3 says, His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. All right, so I went back to the Hebrew Bible to take a look at this just to see if there was any difference, and, and there was. Um, 
It is termed, let's see here, his work is honorable and glorious is what our say in the New King James Version. In the Hebrew translation, it's, wording, it's worded like this. His work is full of majesty and splendor. And, and, and I like that simply because when we talk about looking at things through a different lens, um, Isaiah 55, 8-9 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And most of us know this scripture, but we need to be reminded about it. Because when things take place in our lives, we need to look outside of our own vision and see it through God's eyes. This is a lens we have to truly be settled in and look through when it comes to grasping um, this psalm, right? This psalm is about praising the Lord. And if we're looking at it through just the lens of, of it, it, you know, if it's only good for me, we will miss the mark and we will miss what the Lord has for us in this set of scripture. His work is truly full of majesty and splendor because even if we cannot see it, even if we do not understand it, God's word is truth and it doesn't lie. Even if we have no idea what is going on, his work will always glorify himself and be for our good. You know, scripture in the New Testament says, you know, even evil, evil parents give their children good gifts. How much, how, much, how much does the Lord love us? How much does God love us? We are his children. How much, how much better are the gifts he's going to give us? But sometimes we can err on the side of looking through our fleshly eyes. Uh, and it, it's just because of who we are. And, and I do it. That's honestly my first go-to, and it shouldn't be. Um, praise the Lord, I'm getting better at it, but I'm not there. Um, so with that, the thing is, you know, I understand that it's easy to read that verse. Um, we've all walked through tragedy. We've all walked through heartbreak, and we've all walked through loss. Um, it always causes us to question, not question God, but to not understand. It's not easy, and it causes us to cry out, which is a beautiful thing, and God wants us to do that. I, I've been there. You've been there. I've been out in the middle of the night with my like fist up at heaven screaming, I don't understand this. I can't do this anymore. And I say that because it was right after I said that. It was like 1230 in the morning. It was the first time. I, I heard the softest voice I've ever heard. I mean, we have a Heavenly Father that loves us. And sometimes until you get to that point, you don't get the privilege and experience of being able to be there and feel God's hand wrap around you. And it's beautiful. Um, it's not something you wish on everyone, but it does happen. So we need to know that when we say that verse, that where we have an understanding that God's ways and thoughts are not ours, doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to take. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to walk through, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to get through. Uh, I don't have all the answers when it comes to things like that, but I know 
who does. And it's really in that kind of a situation, and, and we're still in verse 3, um, where John 14.27 is one of my, my favorite verses. Jesus' own words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Either we believe Jesus' words or we don't. Either we believe what he said is truth or we don't. This is the Son of God actually saying this, and I'm going to hold on to this with everything that I have. Because if he says he gives me a peace that the world doesn't give me, I know it'll come. I know I'll have it, and I can hold on to that promise. You know, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. And, and this leads, I say that because this leads directly into verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And to be remembered, right? Not to be forgotten. The first part of this um, he has made his wonderful works to be remembered. But how often do we do this? You know, how often do we go through our day and, and actually remember? Uh, we may do it initially, um, but even then, we, we quickly move right off and right on to the next topic or next subject. And I got, a, I got a true story, right? So this is a legit true story from a couple weeks ago. So we had been praying over, over my wife's mother because um, the doctors were really concerned, had to take biopsy in two different places, and, and they were uh, 80% on one, 100% on the other. It was bad, right? So um, we had sought the Lord through prayer, through fasting, and, and praise the Lord. Like, I love when doctors are proved wrong. I, I love it because God is better and knows more than doctors, I hate to say it, and I will say it all day long. I, I, I praise the Lord for the wisdom that God has given doctors, but they don't know everything. And the, both biopsies came back completely clear. Um, and and the, beautiful thing, the, the beautiful thing was that it, it was an answer prayer. You know, it doesn't always happen like that. But a, after prayer and fasting, um, we had answered prayer. And we were ecstatic in our kitchen for about 30 seconds. And then we rolled because we had something else going on. Um, and, uh, I, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because that was on me. I actually had to repent to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness for not leading my family back to the altar, not leading them back and specifically praising him, uh, more than just a 30 second woo. Right. But I can't believe I'm like the only one that does that, but don't raise hands. I'll just, I'm the only one that does that. Um, but you know, I, I, I should have stopped. I didn't. But then the next part of this verse, is full of grace and compassion. So praise the Lord for that. But I, I bring that up because in this verse, to remember his works, we really don't want to be believers that are like one of the lepers that got healed and never came back to praise Jesus for what he did. We do not want to be like that. Um, and, and I kind of felt like that. And it's not a good feeling. You know, I love when the Holy Spirit corrects because it's a beautiful thing because you, you won't do it the next time. Um, but we as believers should be the first one to turn around and actually give God the praise that he's due, right? Um, so uh, speaking of remembering, you know, remembering, pr- 
I almost said remembering prevents us from forgetting, but that's a, that, ah, duh. Um, So, uh, Peter, when he walked out and was called out on the water, walked on the water because his mind was stayed and eyes affixed on Jesus. He remembered everything Jesus had done. In his mind, when Jesus called him out, he was thinking of everything Jesus had done. He'd seen Jesus do. He was remembering, and boom, out on the water like nobody's business. It was when he started to forget who Jesus was. That's when he started sinking. He took his eyes off Jesus and forgot who he was walking towards. And that's, that's a trap for us when we forget who Jesus is and forget what God has done for us. We, we really have to be better about remembering. We need to remember and, and not forget. Otherwise, forgetting who Jesus is and the power of God can lead directly into uh, wanting, whining, complaining, depression. We have to specifically battle against forgetting. And, and, and look, I've got... We've got ADD, ADHD all over the family, right? I can't, re- like, I put cereal in the fridge. I just, things happen, right? So it, it's, as, as the Lord tarries, like, we don't get smarter and we don't get better. Um, so we have to purposefully fight to remember. It's going to be really easy to forget. Um, so we, we have to make it a constant battle to remember. Um, in the book of Joshua, in chapter 3, uh, God told Joshua to lead the Israelites over the Jordan. Um, and, and Joshua tells the people to go ahead and prepare yourself to go before the, to, to follow the ark. Um, and, and at the beginning of chapter 4, once the ark and, and the Jordan had split, they walked through the Jordan, and this is, this is harvest time, so the, the Jordan was really wide and really deep. Split the waters again, they walked through, um, once they, the Israelites had crossed over, and this is not all the Israelites, a few tribes stayed back, but once they all crossed over, God instructs Joshua to take 12 men to go back in and, and get these real big boulders. And I, not, we're not talking river rocks because Scripture says to put them on their shoulders, right? So these were legit boulders to go back, one from each tribe, and then come back to the bank of, of where the ark is and stack the, the boulders as a remembrance. And, and a physical remembrance to remind them, to remind the generations after them of what took place. You know, we have scripture that reminds us to remind ourselves because even then there would be forgetting. Honestly, we should take this advice um, I, I've seen a lot of things put into practice. Uh, I've seen lists on both sides of a door, prayer requests and things to praise God for. That way, every time you walk out, you get to remember and see. And, and frankly, um, our family will do this. And, you know, coming up to when we celebrate a, a new year, we'll sit down and talk about all the things that God has done and all the ways he moved in our lives and our family's lives and what he's, how he's changed us. Because if you don't do that, you will forget. Um, and so we have to be better about reminding ourselves. So every step he leads us in, we should praise him regardless of what it looks like. He has redeemed us and that is enough. All right, let's move into verse 5. 
Verse 5 says, He has given food to those who fear Him. He will be ever mindful of His covenant. Now, you know, it's very possible that the writer of the psalm might have actually meant literal food, but I, I truly don't think so, strictly based on the context of the writing. Um, you know, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In these two verses, you have Jesus speaking to Satan in Matthew 4, 4. He says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, and so Jesus was actually speaking back to Satan um, what is recorded in Deuteronomy 8.3, where God spoke to Moses and said, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, or did, or, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord." God has given food to those who fear him. And yes, you know, we can, you can think of sustenance, but this is, this is soul food. God has given things for our heart and our mind and our soul to be fed. If we look at the word of God, it's filled with, it's filled with promises, warnings, encouragements, corrections, truths, everything we need in life. Um, food is good, but... This eternal food for our heart and our souls is better. Feeding those that revere him and humbly submit to him. And the second part of this verse is beautiful. We're reminded that he will be ever mindful of his covenant. Ever mindful. Something you don't hear every day. These two verses I absolutely love. Isaiah 43:25 I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. I don't know about you but I want that covenant remembered. Um, I that is another one that I absolutely cling to because when the enemy comes knocking and trying to remind me of sin, uh, of my past I just have to recite that one because that that past is gone. Hebrews 13.5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want that one remembered too. And, and, and to be honest, look, we want them all remembered. We, we don't want any part of his covenant not remembered. And the, the thing is, we can't remember that. He says he will. That is his job, his responsibility. You just have to praise him for it. Um, just too many to remember. Verse 6, let's move along. He has declared his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nation. So I'm going to concentrate on this first part. He has declared to his people the power of his works. God didn't hide his greatness. Uh, he, he never hid his works from his people. In fact, his works were pretty loud if you want to compare and look at things he's done. The problem was more so that they weren't paying attention. Um, and, and that can be, there's a, a parallel in our life. But a few standing proofs, you know, we're, we're looking through Old Testament, New Testament, just random things I picked, right, just as examples. A few standing things uh, that would have really gained my attention. Um, the Israelites' provision of food for 40 years in the desert, sandals not wearing out, manna from heaven. Uh, 
That was huge. Uh, did you know that he drove a nation out with hornets? Did you know that? He drove an entire people group out with hornets. Like these are the, the, these are the things that came out of the pit in the book of Revelation. These were regular old hornets. Drove an entire people group out. He, he fell the walls of Jericho without people even laying a hand on the wall. Marching around, shouting, blasting trumpets. And, and, and rose a man from the dead after four days. After four days. We've all watched CSI. We, we know what that, that entails. Um, and, and the funny thing is, and, and my family will tell you this. I try and use this like in every conversation. I, I love the example. I'm not going to use it. Why well, am going to use it? I love the example of the, a pillar of fire by night. How, how do you... How do you not forget, or how do you forget a pillar of fire by night? A pillar of fire over millions of Israelites by night. But, but people do. You forget. Generations forget. It doesn't get told. But all of these things, you would have to purposefully not see. You would have to purposefully not pay attention to, right? In, in this verse... He has declared to his people the power of his works. We have to be able to see them. Um, you know, Mark 15, 39, which was mentioned on Sunday. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. The centurion saw and recognized what was taking place around him. And we talked about this on Wednesday, so I won't, I won't belabor the point. But he was able to see everything that was happening and attributed it to Jesus on the cross. A different centurion in Matthew 8, 5 had seen and heard about Jesus and what he had done and had asked Jesus to heal his servant. He was paying attention to the power of God working through Jesus, power of Jesus, and just simply acted on it. Right? So, we have to be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to be very um, aware to see what the Lord is doing. Um, I mean, these are great and awesome, powerful examples of works. I mean, it's innumerable, so I just picked a couple. Um, but they declared his power. They just weren't paid attention to. Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 through 9, and most of us know this, but it says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That is legitimately all the time. All the time, we should be talking about, praising God for, for what he's done, um, bringing up to your brother or your sister in Christ and reminding them so they don't lose sight, so, so they're strengthened, so they're encouraged. I mean, what would it be like if, if we actually were all to pay attention to, thing, to his greatness? Just simple things that claim his greatness if we were looking for his works. You know, it would be awesome as brothers and, and sisters in Christ if we would remind each other of his works. Because frankly, like, it's a little easier with women. 
That's just the way we're made. Guys usually don't like chit-chat and, 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 and hey, how you doing? How's your walk? What's, what, what are you, what's bothering you? That's hard. It needs to be better with guys. We have a, lot, we have a long way to go um, as guys. Women seem to do that a lot easier. But what would it be like if we all did that to encourage one another so that we would help our brothers and sisters not lose sight of Jesus, to not lose sight of God and what he has done? Um, because sometimes it's hard to remind myself when, I, when I'm facing something or walking through something. You know, when you're focused on something five feet in front of you, it's not easy to remember everything God has done for you in the past. So it helps when a brother or sister does that. All right, verses 7 and 8. The works of his hands are verity and justice. Now, verity, it would be like truth, right? Uh, the works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. So, uh, you know, truth, truth and justice. <laughs> I kind of went on a tangent here, but bear with me. Truth, the truth and the justice of God are things that need to be preached more boldly from the pulpit in churches in America. Because we find that that's not the case. You're not finding churches preach the holiness of God. And, and I'm, I'm just going to put this up. This is what R.C. Sprawl said. A God who is all love, all grace, all mercy, no sovereignty, no justice, no holiness, and no wrath is an idol. I read these verses, and the first part where it says the works of his hands are truth and justice. This is, the, this is where churches have to get back to, teaching every character of God. He's not, he, is, he is love, but he is also holy, and he is also justice. The verse says truth and justice, always true, always fair, it's reiterating that God always have, has truth and justice in his hands with whatever he allows to take place. Now, all his precepts, which, uh, you know, a commandment or, or an instruction, they stand fast forever and ever. So later in Psalms, in Psalm 119, 80, 90, 90, the writer actually exclaims, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So Jesus himself confirms to us in Matthew 24, 35, that the word will stand forever. So what the Holy Spirit had given the writer here in Psalm is true. Jesus confirming the authority of the psalm. All right, verse 9. Verse 9 says, He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Now, I, I want to read that first part again. He has sent redemption to his people. I, 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 love, I love that part of the verse. I love the entire verse. I'll tell you why. You can't read this verse and have it not point you to the New Testament. You absolutely can't. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Our redemption has completely made us 
and taken us out of condemnation. We are no longer condemned. And, and if, 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 if you had a bad day at work or, or wherever, you can praise God for this. Like, A, praise God that you're saved. B, praise God that you're not condemned anymore. Let me, let me, let me bring these up. Probably some of my other favorite ones. Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then going to 37-39, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can touch us. Nothing can snag us out of God's hand. There is nothing that man can throw at you, the world can throw at you, that takes you out of God's hand. Absolutely nothing. You may allow it to in your mind, but absolutely not. Spiritually, you're completely cemented in heaven. I I love these verses. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit. Isaiah was written sometime between 740 and, uh, and 701 B.C., and, and, and this psalm was written about 536 B.C. The writer of this psalm knew God would send redemption to his people, and he was reiterating it for encouragement because of Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, verse 12, it says, And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And that's what Jesus does for us. He is our mediator. He has interceded on our behalf. The psalmist had no idea what this would look like, but guess what? We do. He had no idea how this would be fulfilled. We have seen the fulfillment of not only Isaiah 53, but but this portion of Psalm, that we have redemption. The writer didn't see it. He only wrote down what the Holy Spirit gave him. could only imagine what it looks like how it could be connected. But the fact that our redemption came from Jesus Christ suffering on the cross, giving up his life, being buried and rising three days later, that, that is why we praise the Lord. That alone is enough for you to praise the Lord. I don't care what time of the day it is. I don't care if you're on night watch. We praise the Lord because of Jesus. We really do. There's no other justification needed. We don't need to read anything else. Oh, you know, let me flip through the Bible and see if my finger lands on a verse that tells me to praise the Lord. That's nonsense. We know the reason to praise the Lord, and we have it. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Now, The idea that the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom is not only mentioned here, it's mentioned in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 9, Job 28, and Ecclesiastes 12. There's a repetitive nature that we need to know about having the fear of the Lord and and what it does for the believer. One of my, my favorite, I have a lot of favorite verses, one of my favorite verses is uh, that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. 
I love that. I love that picture. It's like when the servant had his eyes open and was able to see all of the heavenly uh, array of, of angels and armies. Um, and I'll be honest, following the Lord's commands, as Scripture here is talking about, I am given more wisdom than someone who doesn't know of them and doesn't do them. Plain and simple. Scripture tells me that. And I've lived it. So you can't really call it wrong because I have that as part of my testimony. Had I actually followed the commands of God uh, or, and instruction of the Lord when I was younger, I would not have been subject to decades of the enemy's traps. Plain and simple. We gain understanding as we walk forward in his commands and leading. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realize how much I didn't know. And later in the portion of this verse, his praise endures forever. You know, whether you do it or the rocks do it, it will be done. You know, and we, we, we talked about it recently in Sunday service, the rocks will cry out. I, I want to be able to cry out the praise of God before a rock does it. Because if a rock does it, I failed. His praise enduring forever is evident of really what we see in Revelations 4.8, where it says the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Last quote I'll put up there is, that there is no chorus too loud, no orchestra too large, and no psalm too lofty for the louding of the Lord of hosts. There is absolutely nothing holding us back, no reason why we shouldn't praise the Lord. Now, walking through this psalm, and any time we study Scripture, there has always got to be an application. Because if not, we'll go home and we'll forget. So there is an application here to these 10 verses. Because as we come to a close, we've got to ask ourselves, the so what? After reading this, so what? How do I, how do I put this uh, in gear in my life? What do I do? Um, what is this asking me? And, and, and how do I leave here changed so I can, I can start this process of remembering to praise the Lord? Well, the first thing is to exercise Continual praise the Lord. Simple as that. Exercise it. It's a muscle. Look, when you first use muscles, it hurts, it burns, right? And it makes you not want to do it again. But you continue to exercise it. It stretches out and it gets stronger. This is nothing more than a spiritual exercise for your muscle. Exercise continual praise. If bad day at work, don't worry about it. Praise him for what he's done. Remember something that he's done for you. Remember the fact that you're saved. Praise him for that. If something does happen, praise God. Praise him for that too. Um, so exercise continual praise. And, and, and remember that praise to the Lord is not contingent upon a feeling. Right? We get led astray really badly with feelings. Praise is not dependent upon an emotion. Right? You don't have to feel a certain way in order to push the clutch in and get in praise gear. Right, Praise happens whether you feel it or not. So we have to remember that. One of the second things is we've got to remind ourselves of all he's done for you. And I've stated that already, but it begs reminding. We have to remind ourselves of what he has done for us. How has he opened doors? How has he closed doors? Have you been praying for someone? Did they actually uh, you know, watch online? Did they come? someone that you've talked to gotten saved? I'll be honest, 
I never thought it would work. Actually got a chance to invite a, uh, a neighbor uh, for Easter, for Resurrection Day, and, and he said, you know, he and, and his, his boys were going to go to, uh, to King's Dominion. And I said, awesome, just want to let you know that, that wanted you to come out. And I started praying. I didn't want them to be sick, but I started praying to let something happen. Sure enough, Resurrection Sunday, he texts me halfway through the service. And he goes, boys were too tired to go. I'm watching you guys online. I'm hearing Pastor Tim right now. I was like, dude, I was like, praise the Lord, right? So, so here's the deal. <laughs> don't base things off things are going for you. Remember what God has done. It's as simple as that. That little thing, we were, pra- we were praising the Lord all day long. It was awesome. Um, so that's the second thing. You're going to get distracted by the waves and the storms that this life throws your way. And, and so have an accountability partner. Um, have someone reach out to you and remind you. It, it's as easy as that. Uh, my wife and I do it all the time especially when one of us gets down or, or, or distracted or, or something else. Keep your head up because of what God has done. Third thing, keep your eyes focused on Christ. You know, we are all busy, uh, and that has ramped up in these last few years as, as things have taken place in the economy. Everyone's busy. The enemy's throwing stuff at you at lightning speed. You're going to get just blown away by... What's coming at you from the left and right, keep your eyes focused on Christ. Put him first, and everything else will fall in line. Keep your eyes focused on him, those moments of remembrance throughout the day of how he's delivered you. And, and I, I said it, but the, the other part of this for putting it into practice is do it when, when you don't feel like it. it. Make the mindset change that it is an act of the will. It's not, a, 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 it's not driven by feeling or emotion. It's an act of the will. You may not feel like it, do it. You know, oftentimes when we're pl- many of us have played sports, you don't feel like practice. Do you get off? No, you still practice. Why? Because it makes you more cardiovascular fit. You have better ball skills in the game. Same way with praising. You may not feel like it, but as you start to Praise God, whether it is in worship, whether it is in song, lifting your hands, or whether it is just you walking through your day. As you start to do that, the Holy Spirit will change your mindset and change your heart. You may not feel it when you start, but you will feel it because the Lord, like, I I don't know. It's like like a mystery. The Holy Spirit just changes you. So what do I want to leave you with? Let's remember that the victory's won. Like, we, we've got battles. We'll have battles till the day we're called home. But the, the victory's over. Like, it's done. Death, defeated. Grave, empty. Jesus resurrected. And, and, and I've got a home in heaven. Like, right now, I'm living here for whatever else he has for me. But after that, I'm gone. And, and, and it's because of what Jesus has done. Victory is one. And if we leave here alone with that as something we can remember to praise God for, that'll work. So last thing I want to put up is already up. Never mind. Um, With that, let's just close in prayer, guys. (laughs) Father, it's awesome to read your word. I praise you so much for its encouragement, the promises, Lord. It's so much better than 
stories and random things to make us laugh. Father, I love being able to pour into your word, and I thank you for um, tonight being able to open your word. Father, as we leave here, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit encourage each one of us. Father, some of us have, have, have lost the drive to worship with a whole heart. Some of us have lost that joy. Restore the joy of our salvation. Father, restore what the enemy and the locusts have eaten. Father, we ask right now that your Holy Spirit fill each one of us. Father, we desire that our lives would be a beautiful song to you. We desire that we would leave your change. And Lord, that the praise of the Lord would be on our lips. God, you don't owe us anything. And we can never praise you enough. But Father, I pray that when we do praise you, that you, you'd be pleased with that offering. Father, we love you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for drawing us out. Lord, strengthen us and embolden us for what lays ahead tomorrow and the rest of the week. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>